Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Jose Young's here with MMA Fighting, another episode of the A Side Live Chat with me this this way. Also, before I begin, headphones. All of you told me to put headphones on, so please let me know if you can hear me or there's an echo. Uh, I know last week we figured it out like five minutes into the broadcast with Alex. This time I'm hoping we figured it out ahead of time. So let me know. I would really like to get through an entire episode with no technical difficulties. Fingers crossed. But with me is Danny Segura, back from Mexico. Uh, as you saw on the show, uh, the, the post, there was a little question whether who the host was. I was hoping Danny would make it. I wasn't 100% sure. But he is with us. You survived Mexico. Uh, Danny, how's it going? How was your trip? I'm sure we're going to get into it before we talk about fights. But first of all, how was Mexico? You were there for, what, 10 days? Yeah, 10 days. Um, so the first eight days were fun. The last two days I got food poisoning. I'm still mm. recovering from that. So that's why, um, you know, we weren't sure if I was going to make it to this live chat or not. I wasn't even sure if I was going to make it out of Mexico, but I did. Uh, so, yeah, those last few days were rough. Uh, but I'm here, man. I'm here to talk about MMA. So let's do it. Yeah, Nobody I'm wants real- to hear about my health issues. No one wants to hear about Daniel Segura's health issues, especially <laughs> MMA fans. But as always, you can use hashtag the A side. You can go on the on the site, the post on the site, leave your comments. Uh, I have not looked at any of these yet, but I really wanted to get. Last week we had AK Leon. He was obviously at UFC Vancouver, so we wanted him to get his immediate reaction from UFC Vancouver. I asked Danny if he would be on Fuji Mexico. It was obviously a very there's a lot to talk about, especially on the main card. I'm sure we're going to have some questions, and if not, we're still going to have to talk about it. But we're going to jump right into it because this is not our show. This is your show. First question, Danny, from Grin N. Ooh, interesting question. Has nothing to do with – also, I'm looking off to the side for people watching because I'm reading the comments on this iPad. If you were introducing someone new to MMA, what previous or upcoming fight would you recommend would you recommend or suggest they watch? So very interesting question, Danny. I'm going to say I'll, they haven't been they haven't been specific, but I'm going to say if you could pick 3 fights past or present, like either fights coming up or fights that've already happened to introduce someone to mixed martial arts, what are your 3 fights? That's a good one. Um definitely one with no blood. Uh, I've, I've, you know, whenever I've shown fights to people, you know, for the first time, and it's usually a bloody mess or something crazy like that, they get freaked out. And they're like, wait, are, I've had uh, people actually ask me, it's like, can't they die? I'm like, yeah, well, they're bleeding, but no, I don't, you know, they can't really die. I mean, um, I don't know, something, something technical. If it's three, you want a little bit of everything, right? I say you want like a good back and forth on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a good stand-up battle that's you know somewhat uh, you know okay with the face, mm-hmm. um, and then the third one I don't know, and then just some some epic stuff. Uh, I don't know, no, nothing specific comes to mind. What about you? What do you have? I in would mind? say if I had to pick three, I would pick my all-time favorite fight is Dustin Poirier versus the Korean Zombie. So that's just my personal okay. favorite. I think that's a lot of back-and-forth action submission. I think that's a complete MMA match. Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, if you're looking for technical, like just in a, a high-caliber MMA, like all-around technical masterpiece, I'm really a big fan mm-hmm. of T.J. Dillashaw versus Dominic Cruz and Carlos Condit versus George St. Pierre. Um, I think those are two masterpieces. And then I think you should have mm-hmm. to throw in like a really big name Someone that someone just knows. I think, I know people aren't going to like it, but I think you should have to show someone Connor versus Nate too. But then you also have like a bunch of other fights from like pre Zufa that are always fun. Like you always show them some Boss Rutan. You throw in some uh, Randy Couture. Tim Sylvia was an exciting finish. 
there's a lot of it's like you said it depends on what you're looking for but i think those three yeah. for like the modern era because i think if they're going to try to become an mma fan now you'd want to show them what mma is like now rather than the bloodbath like we saw from right. years prior i don't but that's just my opinion yeah also a good fight um you know a lot of people get into mma also because of the storylines right? right i think one of the most like classic you know, Hollywood storylines would be uh, Young Jacek versus Rose Namajunas. I actually showed that to my roommate. Oh, which um, one? Which I showed one? her uh, the very first one. I showed mm. her the entire buildup and, and, and told her the background. And then, you know, it was like such a, a contrast, right, between uh, personalities and then how the actual fight played out. And then your time was an incredible win streak. I mean, that was literally a movie. Like you can make a movie out of that and like you just watch that and you'd be like, wow, that only happens in a movie, you know, like sure. that's just some typical Hollywood, you know, uh, whatever. But I, I think that'd be a good fight. Um, I think if you're looking for some violence, look, if, obvi- but, obviously hey. Lawler, Lawler McDonald and Hendo Shogun one are two really good ones too. Yeah. And also if you, if you just want to get them, you know, get the, you know, set the tone real quick, Show him Jair Stevens. This is no, why MMA is all about, no, right? No, 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 Don't do that. Don't do that. Because then they'll be like, hey, oh, you know, so I thought, because then you also want to like, set the bar kind of low. You also got to set then, the bar, you know. So if we're going to set them real low, we're going to show them, a, we're going to give them a palate cleanser of Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou. And then we're going to yeah. go right into all the violence. Uh, but I, though, I gave my three. People slice. <sighs> yeah. Right, we should probably yeah. move on to the next question. Luke Thomas' yeah. favorite fight. But we're going to move right along. Let us know what you think. And I can see all your comments. A lot of people are agreeing with us. So someone says Anderson, Chris Weidman. If you see 168, that's when Anderson's leg snapped in half. Probably don't want to show him that one. Maybe the first one, if, mm-hmm. especially one where you're talking about storylines. I think the first Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman fight is a really good one, just especially because Anderson was yep. still in the Matrix at that time. Maybe Anderson versus Forrest Griffin because that he was on another level. But we're going to move right along uh, from – Robin G87. So far, two t- comments from people we don't often see. Easy title fights to make. Cejudo Benavidez, Nurmagomedov, Ferguson, Usman, Covington. Three very good title fights with number one contenders against current champions. Why are these not booked yet? What's the holdup besides them trying to not pay the fighters a decent payday? Well, there you go. There's your answer right there. I know Colby Covington wanted more money. Um, yeah. Colby Covington well, the wanted first more money. one is... Yeah. The first one's because Cejudo's injured. I mean, we just spoke okay. to Cejudo in Mexico. You can check out that scrum on MAFighting.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, he said that recovery is actually going quite slow. Like, it's not going as expected. So um, I believe he said around March of 2020 he was looking to come back. And um, so, yeah, but but he knows that, like, you know, he wants to stay active. He wants to fight. And, and he knows that. Um, that's the dude to fight Benavides. Like he's the most deserving contender. He's the most clear contender out of both divisions, right? One hundred percent. The rest of the fights, yeah, maybe, maybe you know, money, money gets in the way. You know, Connor's at one fifty-five, so he always makes things interesting. And then at welterweight, well, you know, it turns out you can you can put pretty big fights without the title, or at least you can just not and that you can kind just of make up and you can just make up a title. But right. I agree. I agree with you, Benavides. Well, you said Benavides is the most deserving number one contender. I don't think mm-hmm. there's an argument against Ferguson being the number one contender. He hasn't lost since before women fought in the UFC, so he deserves the number one contender. And then Colby Covington was the interim champion, and yeah, he might have turned out fights, but he should have already had title fights. So uh, oh, yeah. I agree. I agree with you. Benavides might have the might pro, will pro, has the has obviously has. Obviously, he has the win over Cejudo, so they should run that back. But there's no argument against Ferguson, and there's not an argument against Covington right now. Obviously, oh, we have that. When I said, like, most deserving, I meant out of, like, 125 and 135. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, 100%. Not out of like, those Henry, Henry Cejudo should not fight anyone. Well, I don't want to say Like, if anyone, anyone's going to get the first crack, it should be Benavides. Like, there's, he's putting the most work. There's no question. There's no yeah. question in my mind. I've had this argument with too many people on Twitter that want to see your uh Cejudo fight Faber or Sterling or even Aljamain Sterling's like I have no problem if they if I have to wait for Benavides to fight like if people at 135 are even saying that like come on what yeah. are you doing here yeah. like if I'm Henry Cejudo I fight Joseph Benavides if I win then that's a wrap for me at 125 avenge your only other loss go out on a high note at 125 and then the, you save the division and then they can do with it what they will and then go up yeah. to 135 but I don't know how long he wants to still fight but if I agree with you Henry Cejudo should not fight anyone else besides Joseph Benavides next. 
Yeah, you you know what the problem there is, um, and it's very real. And again, this is not Cejudo like being you know dismissive and, and trying to skip contenders and get into big fights. This is like a legit issue. Like he's gotten big. Like exactly. you know, I saw him in Mexico. He's he's gotten big. You know, he's uh he he says he's weighing about one sixty right now, oh, one hundred and sixty pounds. So uh, John Morgan from MMA Junkie from MMA Junkie asked him. Well, you know, yeah, like, so I guess it would make sense to fight at 135 first. Like, you're not saying no to 125, but, like, I mean, if, if you're going to pick a fight, right, and you're at 160, they, you know, easier way, go to 135 first and then 125. Like, that, 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 that's really what makes most sense for his health, uh, what's more attainable, right? Um, dude, a cut from 160 to 125? Jeez. I believe that's what Dodson would do, right? <laughs> Dodson would be in the 170 range, and then he'd cut down to 175. Really? Yeah. He was like a top-heavy guy. I remember he like posted something on a scale where he was just monstrous. And I think it was before he fought Demetrius Johnson the first time, where they fought in Chicago in January. So he had like l- low percentage body fat like walking around in Chicago in the middle of January. And he was like, I'm going to get sick just from lack of – like de- like being dehydrated, sucked out, walking through this miserable cold. But yeah, I, if that's the case, fine. Like health comes first. But again, if if he can make yeah. one twenty five easy, he can make one thirty five easy. Because like I don't know what like did he say what the extent of his injury was? Uh, like when when he can? Yes, he wants to get to he wants to fight in March. But when can he actually get back in the gym? Um, I would have to go back and and, and listen to the scrum again. Uh, I don't I don't remember the top of my head. Because if he can get back into the gym, say in December, like I think he could. Oh cut no 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 no! He, he's not going to be able to get back into the gym. Like I think early twenty twenty. Hmm. Well, in the meantime, we're gonna ha- we're gonna just have to get used to seeing Henry Cejudo sitting octagon side at every single UFC card because I feel like he's yeah. going. He was at what he was at Abu Dhabi, and then he was in Mexico. Like he's everywhere. He's he's literally yeah. everywhere. Um, Masvidal too, like he's gonna be everywhere until he has to. He fights next. Actually, Masvidal, uh, I, I was talking to his manager, and um, his manager told me, you know, at Mexico, he's like, "This is this is this is our last our last trip." Like our, the trainers, like you, you know, telling me, like, "Yo, we we got to cut on the travel." So um, expect Masvidal to to slow down as far as media and and travel. I think he's gonna really start putting in the the road work right now. I would hope so because I haven't seen Nate Diaz do anything. Masvidal's on ESPN. Masvidal's yeah. on the Dan Levitard show. Masvidal's at in UFC Uruguay. He did the ATT uh, media day that you were at. Uh, he mm-hmm. was in Mexico. He was at UFC 241. Like he's doing everything. Like he is yeah. everywhere, and ev- he's talking to everyone. He's doing everything he can to sell this fight. And Nate Diaz isn't doing anything. So yeah, Masvidal, take mm-hmm. a step back. Go do your thing. Yeah. Uh, I saw him post some vid- some videos today, or I can't remember who it was, of him like practicing flying knees on a dummy. So yeah, so uh, good do it. And I'm seeing a lot of comments saying our audio is crystal clear. Someone saying, Danny, uh, Cejudo should not fight Joseph Benavides first. She should fight Valentina Shevchenko or Wiley Zhang first. Pass. Don't ever want to see that. Don't ever bring yeah, that up no, ever again. No, no, no. But we're going to move right along from tr- our longtime friend, Trumbo. Uh, we have a lot of questions, but we're hitting the – obviously, leave your questions in the comment section. The ones that are green are the ones we're going to prioritize, but that doesn't mean we're not going to answer all the questions. And I promise everyone brings this up. I'm going to check Twitter more often today. Does Connor fight Frankie? Connor's coach calling for the Frankie fight. Do you like this idea for Connor? It's less risk than Tony, Poirier, or Gaethje, but does a win generate the same level of redemption or credit? think even an Aldo rematch gets him more excitement and credit. Also, a loss is complete disaster for him. So, yes – Danny, while you're in Mexico, I don't know if you heard, but there's a lot of buzz right now of Connor possibly fighting Frankie. His coach wants him to fight. Apparently, Connor's turned down fights against him in the past. Frankie Edgar's tweeting out that he want, like if Connor wants to fight him, he'll hold off, dropping down to 135. What is your take? I'm assuming if this fight takes place, they would want it at 145. I don't know if Connor ever wants to go down to 145 ever again. Frankie might be the only one, but again, Frankie Edgar's coming off a loss. I don't know how much it does for Connor to beat Frankie after Frankie just lost to Max Holloway. What is your take from all this? I, I, I think this is probably one of the worst fights you can make uh, with Conor McGregor. And I, the only reason why I would be okay with this fight is because, look, Frankie Edgar is an OG of the game. He's put in the work. He's been a company man. So you would kind of want to see him take a big paycheck. 
And you know, at the time when Conor McGregor was at 145, really the fight that we wanted to see was Frankie Edgar versus Conor McGregor, just because, 100%. you know, there was questions there about his wrestling, right? We know Frankie Edgar is a great wrestler, but since then their careers have gone, you know, to, you know, McGregor has gone up in weight, has gone gone up to fight as heavy as 170. And Frankie Edgar, before this Conor stuff even came up, he's already, you know, sizing up Cejudo and talking about dropping down to 135. Um, yeah, I have no interest. I know Frankie Edgar is obviously down for the big paycheck. And he's he's even said it like, yo, I'll fight you whatever weight class you want. Let's just make it happen. Like, you you, you, you dictate the terms, I'll show up. Um, but look... I, what, what does this fight do for Conor McGregor? I mean, Frankie Edgar is not even a 55er anymore. He's talking about dropping 135. Uh, it just makes no sense. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense for the division. At this point, it's not a, 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 a sexy fight. It's not a big fight. Like, don't get me wrong. Frankie Edgar is still a stud. But, like, his star power is not the same, you know, that it was a, a few years ago. Um, so, no, I, I like more the idea of Frankie Edgar fighting Cejudo um, at some point at 135. I, I actually think that'd be a pretty good fight and a competitive one. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not in favor for that fight whatsoever. Yeah, I, I, a few years ago, that's the fight everyone wanted. But Frankie Edgar coming off a loss, Frankie Edgar going down to 135. Conor McGregor come, also coming off a loss to the 155-pound champion. Like, there's a lot of... It would have been great two years ago. I have zero interest in seeing that right now. Uh, I think the only way it does happen is Connor has respected Frankie for a long time. He's one of the few fighters that Connor won't say anything negative about. I remember mm -hmm. even before he fought Aldo, the UFC put out this video of like the UFC top 10 at Featherweight, and Connor McGregor would like have to give like his one word answer to all of them. And he's like, he was like obviously doing his thing. Just like just going scorched earth on every top ten featherweight, and then someone says Frank Edgar, and he's like, "I can't say anything about Frankie. I love that guy." So I don't know what if Connor fights Frankie, it's just because he respects Frankie and maybe wants a legacy fight. But again, like you said it perfectly, what does that do for Conor McGregor fighting a one thirty five er after his last two fights were a one fifty five and one seventy? Nothing. Uh, yeah. I don't know if Frankie wins. I honestly don't. He's looked. He didn't get the blow doors blown off him against Max Holloway, but it wasn't a. It was pretty one sided. Like it was a pretty one sided decision. Max Holloway beating him. And before that, he beat Cub Swanson. Before that, he got knocked out by Brian Ortega. So Frank Edgar has lost two of three. Conor Gregor has mm -hmm. also lost two of three, including that Floyd Mayweather fight. So not the sexiest fight in the world, but yeah. Also dumb. I think it's not the best stylistic matchup for Conor either. Also, but like Connor was going to have such a big size advantage, like 100%. ridiculous that that at that point, like then the wrestling becomes an issue. Right. Like like in boxing and in striking, you can be smaller and, and size is not that big of an issue. But when you have to manipulate other people's weights, such as wrestling, right, when you have to deal with that, then that becomes an issue. So I don't want to see also Frankie Edgar fight in a fight where um, he's going to be at a huge disadvantage, not because of skill wise, just because. They're literally uh, almost two weight classes apart, right? Maybe one and a half, we could say. Um, also, this doesn't is this is a little uh, like out of left field. It doesn't really align with the Conor McGregor narrative. At least Nate Diaz is out there saying like, "Look, I'm just here to, you know, fight for the BMF title," and like he doesn't really care about the title, and he's just sure. there for big fights. McGregor has actually like hung on to the title narrative, like you know, book my rematch in Moscow and Habib, I'm gonna, you know, come back and get you and all this stuff, like. Okay, if, if that's your narrative, then why are you fighting? Why do you want to fight Frankie? Like, that fight, that fight doesn't mean anything at one point. That doesn't get you any closer to a title fight. Nah. So if you're Conor McGregor's camp and you're the UFC, what's the fight you're trying to book? I asked this exact question to AK last week. There's so many. There's so <laughs> many. There's so many. Um, you know that gaugey one is, is kind of looking good. Um, not going to lie, there's bad blood there. The, I think that's the worst fight for Conor to take. But, but it is the worst the, fight for him. Honestly, I think like, that's the fight to make. I mean, were you were you you were covering MMA right when? Yeah, yeah, you were when when um, when McGregor was on his rise, right? Oh yeah, I went yeah. to his. I was at his the Boston card when he fought Max. I was covering it for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that run was so exciting as as like coverage for media because it was constant. Like right, when he was active, that was fun. Um, if you fight Gagey, I mean. I don't know if I have the confidence to say you're going to, you know, keep fighting, you know, often after that, uh, you know, at least not soon after. I mean, you got tough ass dudes like freaking Dustin Poirier saying like, yeah, I'm going to leave a piece of myself in there. Like, I'm not going to be the same human being after that fight. Uh, so, no, um, 
I'd like to see Conor McGregor active, so I'd, I'd like to see him. You know, I like that Cowboy one. I know Cowboy's coming off a loss, but, like, I don't know. It's it's. I know in a way we're, like, somewhat protecting Conor. So in some ways, like, yo, you got to fight the best. And if you want to get to the title, all right, then just engage. He's the guy. But at the same time, he's like, yo, you haven't fought in a while. Fight someone, you know, someone that's a little bit of a better matchup. So you're saying you don't want him to fight Justin Gaethje because Conor would be so messed up physically after that fight, he would have to take a long break again? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to fight Justin Gaethje, that's your, you, yeah, you're going to, it's basically being put through a wood chipper. Uh, but it, I want to he doesn't need fight. the money, so. <clears throat> no, he, yeah, he doesn't need the money. Just, I think of all the fighters available, Justin Gaethje is without a doubt the worst stylistic match for Conor. Like yeah. elite wrestling, Endless cardio, uh, great stand-up. Like the cow, the Justin Gaethje we've seen, the last few fights against Edson Barbosa, against James Vick, and against Don Cerrone has been a very calculated Justin yeah. Gaethje. It's like calculated violence rather than just going in guns mm-hmm. blazing like he did against Eddie, against uh, Poirier, against Michael Johnson. So this Justin Gaethje is terrifying. I think I was talking with uh, someone this past week, and I can't remember who, and it was like, the last three fights combined with Justin Gaethje, he's maybe absorbed like 40 strikes combined between Vic, Barbosa, and Cowboy Cerrone, or maybe even less. And he absorbed more than 40 in both rounds against Michael Johnson. Like in two mm-hmm. rounds, he has more, like he's absorbed more strikes in his last three fights combined. So this is a completely different Justin Gaethje than we've seen. And I think this Justin Gaethje right now is the worst. But I like the Don Cerrone one. They're both coming off losses. They've been kind of circling each other for a long time. I think that Cowboy is one of those few fighters, I think, that his fan base is big enough that Conor will actually have some boos go his way. I think Habib's up there. Yeah. Nate's obviously way up there. But I think Justin Gaethje is going to get booed a lot when he fights Conor. But I think Cowboy Cerrone has that fan base that will match Conor's fan base. Yeah. Dustin Poirier is also a good option. Uh, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing that rematch. And look, we have a big fight coming up at UFC 244, Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal. The winner? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to see Maybe. that, man. I mean, I'll see the third. I'll see the third Nate fight because I think every trilogy should end up. I'm still really disappointed we haven't seen Shogun Machida three, and we probably never will. But Nate Connor has to happen. I know John Kavanaugh. Every time someone asks him, "Who do you want to see him fight next?" Until recently, when we started saying Frankie Edgar, like he kept saying, "The third Nate fight is the only fight I want right now." Like that fight will get me excited. That's. I think Nate, like, what, the UFC did a poll and they said Nate Connor 2 is the greatest fight in the history of the UFC. I don't necessarily agree with that. But it's pretty good. I, kn- I know it's pretty good. I don't think it's the greatest yeah. fight of all time. No. Uh, but that fight has to happen. I mean, whether it's for the BMF title or if there's no title, I don't really care. That fight has to happen eventually. But if Nate beats Jorge Masvidal, Nate's probably a bigger star right now. Especially because, like, if, Matt, like, if The Rock does put the BMF title around Nate Diaz's waist... Is Nate Diaz a bigger star in MMA than Conor McGregor right now? Did you say in MMA or worldwide or like in the I'm world, just, like pop culture? Both. Pop culture, no. Conor McGregor is the biggest. I agree. Uh, in MMA, um, yeah, I mean, freaking McGregor has taken a backseat. I mean, he he's not an active fighter. People forget, you know, right now Nate Diaz is, is, is who's being talked about. Um, actually, it's a little bit off topic, but it speaks volumes to how big that fight is. I was uh, checking in bags to go to Mexico, and uh, the lady that that that's there for the for the check-in recognized me, and she's like, "Oh my God!" And she and you know we started talking about MMA for a little bit, and she's like, "Oh, uh, me and my husband are actually trying to get tickets for UFC 244," and she just went on a rant about hmm. Nate Diaz, and I was like, "Okay, he's a needle mover." If you would have yeah. asked me, like I he's remember, been. I was he's been a needle mover. I was backstage for UFC when it was here in Phoenix. Uh, and Crone, when Crone fought Alex Caceres, and Nate was obviously backstage because he was in Crone's corner, and Dana did, like, like some media, and one of the questions was, like, uh, someone was, like, giving him, like, what are the chances of this happening? What are the chances of this ha- happening? And he said, what are the chances we see Nate Diaz return? And Nate's, and he's just, like, 0%. And then Nate Diaz happened to be walking by. And then someone <laughs> was like, well, Nate, when are you returning? He goes, I don't know, ask that guy. And he pointed at Dana White. Uh, so if you would have asked me, 12 months ago, so September 2018, Jorge Masvidal still ha- like is getting ready to fight what? No, he hasn't fought since uh, this, the Wonderboy fight, and Nate Diaz hasn't fought since Connor. and now they're fighting for the BM- a fake belt that they just made, and The Rock might wrap it around their waist, and people in 
TSA are stopping you to talk about this fight. Like, this is the strangest timeline I've ever experienced in mixed martial arts history. Yeah. And I love everything about it. It's fun. But we're going to move right along. We're going to talk some Bellator. We have to. Bellator matchmaking from Matt the Donk, longtime commenter. Long time. Bellator matchmaking. MVP is back against Richard Kiley, three and, who's 3-1. and one. MVP goes from fighting Douglas Lima to fighting this guy. Kylie's most recent win was against a 3-5 and five fighter. What is up with this matchmaking? Is this just an epic squash match set, for, set to set up MVP to get a skull-crushing Pokemon-style finish? I would think most U.S. commissions would have serious questions about matching up a 14-1 fighter against a 3-1 and one fighter. So, yes, Danny, we cannot forget there's two Bellator cards this week. Yes, there's the Bellator Big Featherweight Grand Prix, but there's also Bellator Dublin. James Gallagher's on the card. Michael Venom Page returns. I was, I, I was ringside for when he fought Douglas Lima. That was a terrifying fight. Like, I didn't think my, I thought Michael Venom Page was dead when he got just decapitated by that hook. Yeah. But he was looking good in that fight up until then. But what do you make of this matchup? I know Kylie's doing a real good job of selling the fight. I don't know if you watched uh, when our own Pizza yeah. Carroll was there for the press conference. Like, they were going at it back and forth the whole time. They were, re- they were great. A lot of g- great banter. Great banter does obviously does not always lead to great fight. What do you make of this matchmaking? Um, so yeah, the matchmaking. If you just look at the record, so like solely, it is extremely um, suspect, right? But I'll say this: uh, Mr. Richard has done a great job at selling the fight. Like 100%. the banter and the back and forth has been fun, and I think I don't know, man. I mean, I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of enjoying it. I'm kind of into it. I don't know if that's if that's weird. I'll watch, but like, I'll watch MVP fight anybody. Yeah. And and this point is like whenever prior to like, you know, the Paul Daly fight and like once he was, you know, the Douglas Lima and once he was getting legit names, um, like every time he fought, it was just like we knew like, OK, what's going to happen now? Like, is it going to be a flying knee? Is it going to be, you know, some crazy spinning thing? Like that's kind of fun. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, like, like, and look, the worst thing, worst, worst comes to worst, like, you know, the outcome goes the other way and, and, and Kylie scores like a, a crazy knockout or something. And, you know, it's a Rocky story and, you know, he's been talking, so he will back it up. And all of a sudden we, you know, we have a little, maybe not a huge star, but we got a name right on our hands. Uh, so I, I do think that, you know, mismatches, uh, have a place in MMA and, um, I don't think it's, it's always important to like, always have one but i think every now and then is okay and i think for this case it's fine yeah i mean kylie like you hit on the head like if you haven't definitely go watch that press conference that pizza carol was at that he the banter between those two like the one-liners they were slinging at each other there was a little scuffle when they finally faced off like michael venom page like wouldn't even look at him he was just texting the whole time during the stare down and then Kylie was getting in his face, so I love it. I love everything about it. I obviously I would favor MVP. There's other matchups I would rather have him take, especially because they were in this big welterweight Grand Prix. And after he lost to Douglas Lima, there were other fresher fights I would rather have seen him like take. Like uh, there's like the John Fitch fight out there, the Neiman Gracie fight. Like there was a lot of welterweights in that tournament. Yeah, uh, that I would rather have seen him face. Uh, Korshkov is out there, uh, so not the sexiest fight on paper especially when you're looking at their records but kylie's done a a fantastic job and it's the co-main event three rounds mvp has no issue taking uh backseat to james gallagher uh he himself said because this is james's card i don't have to sell this fight like you think james gallagher's not going to sell out the dublin the arena in dublin like he 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 knows his place which is why i think he's being a little tame in the lead up to this fight uh i believe it's it's tomorrow no it's friday Friday. This is Wednesday. It's Friday. And then Saturday is the other big Bellator, uh, the Featherweight Grand Prix. I believe they're also going to pick the, the seating for the actual tournament because this is like the round robin style. And then after everyone wins, they're going to do the K1 style where they pick a ball with a number and they pick where they want to fight. And then the next one picks who they want to fight. So the last, so like the first person doesn't get to pick who they fight. They just have to go pick where and when they fight. And then after that, it's, it, it sounds amazing. Apparently that's going down Saturday too. I can't yeah. wait for that. Patricio Pitbull's fighting. And then Gegard Musasi loading Machida rematching on that same card. Uh, there's a lot of exciting non-UFC things happening this week outside of UFC Copenhagen, but we're going to yeah. move along. Uh, I mean, you make the case that the more exciting stuff is non-UFC, maybe. 
Uh, Jared Cannonier uh, and Jack Hermanson intrigues me very much so, and Khalil Roundtree's return is also super intriguing, but I can't disagree with you. Uh, we're going to move along. We have a few UFC Me Mexico questions. We're going to save those for the end because obviously those are going to be directed more towards you. Uh, right where we were talking about earlier from Robin G87, uh, Colby Covington being leapfrogged by Masvidal Diaz. Do you think Colby is getting impeached out of his title shot because he is very bad negotiator with a small brain? Uh, wouldn't put it like that harshly, but if you tell him, if, if Danny, if Masvidal and Nate Diaz win impressively, would you be surprised if Kamara Usman is fighting the winner of the, B the BMF champion next instead of Colby Covington? Well, I mean, you have to do a title unification bout, right? That's, so are we now, so the BMF title is going to be stuck in the welterweight division? Uh, no, hopefully not, to be honest. That, that's where things get weird, right? No, but honestly, that's, that's such a possible thing in... And it's not even like, oh, yeah, I can see that happening. No, it's like a very, very possible thing because the winner of that is just going to be a huge star. Mega star. Right? I don't think most of the fans would have an issue with having Colby getting skipped over, not because he doesn't deserve it, just because it's Colby. You know what I'm saying? If it was, if it was another, say, like a Tony Ferguson, more of a, a likable figure, um, I think people then would kind of uh, throw their hands up and, 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 and you know, go out there and tweet something to Dana White or something like that. But even then, uh, yeah, the winner there is going to be a huge star, and I think uh, could very well skip skip uh, Colby Covington, yeah. Plus, would be the we know fight. already that the UFC tried to book Usman versus uh, Jorge Masvidal. They had yeah. no issue skip, skipping Colby. So what makes you think they won't do it again with, say, if Masvidal wins? Uh, with Masvidal even being a bigger name than he was a few months, you know, a few weeks ago when they tried to book that fight. Yeah, and but I think the big outlier right now is is Connor. Like if Nate wins and they do a trilogy fight with Connor, and it's Nate versus Connor. Maybe Nate drops back down to 155 and puts the BMF title on the line against Nate Connor, and then all of a sudden Connor and say Connor wins and he's walking out with three championships now. Oh God, I can't even that that I can't even fathom that right now. But I think that there's a lot of things that could happen. Uh, yeah, both of these guys are interested in the big fights. I know Jorge Masvidal has always said. The title is important to him, but I can't imagine if you drop money in front of him. Like he said, I'll fight for the title, I'll fight Connor, because he sees dollar signs coming out of Connor's mouth when he punches him. Uh, but Majidal keeps getting, I don't know if you watched his uh, media circuit at ESPN where he did the Levitard show. Uh, he, did, uh, he was on Ariel's show. He was even at the press conference and stuff. Uh, people would ask him, like, when are you going to fight? Are you going to fight Connor next? Are you going to fight Connor next? And he's like, Dana said I'm not. So I'm not even worried about that guy. So yeah. I think that's a little rope -a dope I think he's just trying to not talk about Connor because obviously if he wins, you think he's going to say no to Connor McGregor? I think that's a fool that's foolish. Uh, but and you and did you get to watch that press conference from New York? I did. Yeah. yeah What'd yeah. you make of that? That Mexico. was nonsense, was it not? Yeah, it sucked. That might have been the worst press conference that I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. In any uh, you know, shout out to uh, Phoenix Carnavale. Mark LaMonica, Ariel, I mean, I think those were, you know, they actually asked legit questions. Other than that, yeah. uh, I mean, the whole vegan stuff and, I mean, there was so much, so much ridiculous shit. Um, but it's also, look, it's it's the UFC's job to, to, to filter this out, right? Because, like, if you open, right, if you, if you just open it, – if you just open the floor for anybody to apply, like you're gonna you're gonna get a bunch of people to apply, and it's the UFC's job to filter. It's the UFC's job to hand out the mic, right? So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think it was I, a little bit of both sides. It was rough, man. I was watching it and I was waiting. Like I saw Phoenix stand up, and then there was like some issues with the microphone. So like she asked yeah. a really good question. There might have been some lost in translation, but it was that was rough. I mean, and then you were at. I believe you were. Did he say it in the Mexico card when someone asked him? It, it might have been a scrum or the back. I can't. It might have been the guest one. I can't remember. But someone asked him like some about the like. When, what did he see when he stared off with Nate Diaz? And he goes, "Oh well, yeah, yeah." All those questions were dumb. Like even Jorge Masvidal was kind of annoyed by it. Like there was nothing yeah. to sell the fight outside of like, "Hey, you're a vegan," and then Nate just doing his yeah. own thing. It was a it was it's a train also, wreck. To be honest, it's also kind of getting hard. Something I've noticed. It, and it's gonna get, it's gonna keep getting harder, because whenever there's a fight, right? Every press conference, every interview, something is said, and then the fight builds layers, right? Of yeah, stories, yeah. 
these guys are not building any layers. They're just like, I respect them. He respects me. We're not going to talk bad about each other. Um, but they're not saying absolutely anything. So yeah, there are enough things to ask about. You know, I asked, you know, Oh, you're crazy. You know, uh, Tony Montana stuff or whatever he wore in Mexico or, uh, you know, uh, Kobe Covington stuff. And like, you can ask several things that are floating around the outside, but those things are going to run out. Like at some point when we get like deep into fight into fight week i wonder what's going to be the talking point i would have asked there was when i was there i'm like someone should ask this someone should ask this but uh if you were if you weren't in mexico you would have been there well, so we didn't have anyone like to ask questions there but like hey dana this is a championship fight do they have to make championship weight that's a legitimate question i think uh yeah. five round fight like if this is a if this is a sanctioned title fight like do they have to make 170 can they make it do they get that 171 uh pound there's a lot of questions we could have asked. I yeah. did not enjoy anything about that outside of the. And then there was the guy that was asking Dana about the Patriots. There was a guy asking like, "Hey, you're gonna smoke a joint or have a beer after?" I'm just like, "Come on, guy! Like, who, who even are yeah. these people?" Uh, but that, we're that's gonna usually when they turn the mic to the fans, and you know, you get those type of questions, which are fun, you know. But again, not for media. Yeah, that was a that was an absolute train wreck. We're gonna get one more question in before we jump over to Twitter. Uh, and talks and talks some UFC Mexico UFC 245 main event from our good friends Aku Kokegi who Dan, uh, Danny I don't know if you remember we are we are pronouncing that name correctly there's that's always been a question of all the available champions who gets the main event of that card so UFC 245 has the the bantamweight championship I believe which is uh, I believe 245 is the December 14th card that has Amanda Nunes and Jermaine Durandamy I believe Max Holloway is fighting Volkanovski on that card so. Of all the champions available, do they stick with these two title fights or do they add a third one? I thought for sure John Jones would be fighting Jan Blachowicz on this card. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure, but now Jan is now fighting. Uh, he's doing his uh, usual thing of fighting middleweights coming up and testing. He did that with Thiago Santos. He did that against Luke Rockhold. Now he gets another middleweight in Jacare Souza in the UFC Sao Paulo card. Did not see that one coming at all. Uh, so... I, if you would have asked me a couple weeks ago, I would have said, well, John will fight Jan in the main event and we'll just have three title fights. But now, what do you say? Of all available champions, who gets the main event of that card? I mean, they can also add the Kobe Usman. I mean, it's not too late. Good. Um, but but right now, I mean, I think I think with the fights that we have now, I think, you know, Holloway, Volkanovski takes that, right? I would maybe, but I think Amanda's a bigger star than both of those guys. Like when you really? saw when you saw Amanda fight Ronda, the co-main event was Cody versus Dominic in that same weight class. So uh, like, uh, but it was Ronda. It was Ronda's true. return. It is very true. And Connor did headline. Connor Aldo was above Rockhold Weidman. I actually think that Amanda got more star power from her wins over um, Holly Holm and Cyborg than than she did with Ronda. Like. That that whole buildup, they did it quite poorly in the sense of like they promoted just Ronda, 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 and you know when Nunes won, there, there wasn't much about her. You know, it was just like it was it was more like Ronda lost rather than Nunes defended her belt. Yeah, it's a little bit of that was a little bit of a bummer. I also think there was a lot of questions out there like when, we, when the last time we saw Ronda was getting violently knocked out. So when then when Amanda violently knocked her out for a second time, it's like yeah, we've seen this before. Like how good is Amanda Nunes? And then she went on another. And then she had, what, that fight against Valentina Shevchenko, which yeah. a lot of people thought she lost the, the second time. And then she became a rock star when she beat Pennington, Cyborg, Holly Holm. Maybe Amanda headlines over Max. I don't think Max would have that big of an issue. He seems like a pretty down-to-earth guy. He, but again, yeah. historically, he, historically, the UFC puts the heavier weight class yeah. at the top, unless it's someone like Conor or Ronda. I'm, but even again, Brock Lesnar had Brock Lesnar was like the co-main event for Misha Tate versus um, uh, Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes headlined UFC 200 over Brock Lesnar, Daniel Cormier, and Anderson Silva, and Jose Aldo, and Cain Velasquez. So there you no, go. No title fights there though. Zero. That is true. There was. That was is true. Mark Hunt. That is the, true. And uh, the main Mark event Silva. was the main event was supposed to be Jones Cormier. Before that, we all know what happened. To that, but hey, Amanda Nunes is headline. You have like some like if you look at it's also odd. She was on 196, I believe, the UFC 196 card, uh, which was the Connor uh, Nate one. She was on UFC 200. She was on UFC 207. Like she's been on some massive cards, 
And now I think she's finally she's on the Jones Gustin card. She was the co-main event of that when she knocked out Cyborg. So I think I think I'd give Amanda Nunes a slight edge in popularity over Max Holloway. But if they chose Max over Volkanovski, but if you could, obviously this is a moot point if they had Covington and Camaro because that has to be a main event. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna move along. Oh, question from Lodovic. So Danny, this one's for you. I would imagine Yair versus Stevens. What happened? What was Yair thinking? How did the crown turn so hostile? What's next for the two fighters? So, Danny, you were there. We can answer these questions, but I think this is a good segue into what was the atmosphere like in Mexico during that card? Because I was watching it with Casey. Uh, me and Casey were watching, and we, I was Sean Alshadi, our co-worker, was watching, and there was a lot of things that we were seeing on TV. Later on, we would see all the stuff being thrown from, but those were cam, like those were fan footage. Or there was like the, the the camera on Brandon Fitzgerald and Michael Bisping that they later put out, and Brandon Fitzgerald's like, I'm gonna hide under the table, and he was hiding under the table while people were throwing beer, and Michael Bisping was standing up like shadow boxing at the crowd. What was the atmosphere like in that crazy arena? Yeah, well, I was in the media room, but I could hear. So the the arena at some points was louder than the actual speakers in the in the room, so I could hear. And I remember when all that was going on, like I, I saw security run, <laughs> run by the door, um, and I heard the, uh, the crowd was even throwing coins. And uh, the oh, Mexican God. pesos are kind of heavy, so um, yeah. I mean, there's different sizes, but anyways, um, yeah, it was intense. And, and you know, I think I think it's a lot of it is like culturally, like that's how you know. It's very passionate. It's a very passionate crowd. Like the night before, I went to a wrestling show at um, um, Arena Mexico, right? There's a very old arena for for a wrestling show, and like, yeah, like people get into it. They were yelling at the wrestlers, and and, and that's just kind of part of it. I think um, I think a big a big reason why they were so upset was you know it was the coming event was over. It was a fa- fantastic fight, so everybody was super edgy and and on their feet and all riled up. And then, you know, it was a bit of a suspect decision. A lot of people thought Alexa Grasso won, um, although you could you know, make a case that, you know, it was uh, it was also like, you know, uh, for for Esparza. So on top of that, you know, so they were disappointed with that. And then they expected a war between Stevens and and Jeremy. They got 15 seconds of nothing. And uh, yeah, it was just, again, worst case scenario after worst case scenario after worst case scenario. And then we saw what happened. But uh, yeah, it was not a pretty sight. What was the atmosphere backstage when all the fighters got back there? Uh, especially like, because you obviously didn't get to talk to Jeremy Stevens, but we saw yeah. Yair through your footage. But what was it like when he actually walked through and there were the, like the fighters' camps were everywhere? Right. So, um, so when Yair came in, so the way the way the media room was working was the only English outlets there were myself, MMAfighting.com, and John, John Morgan, MMA Junkie. Everybody else was from Mexico. So Claro Sports, uh, yeah. Fox Deportes, ESPN en Español, Indiscutido, a bunch. Um, so so the way we were doing it was that we were, spl- you know, in order not to get a mixed bag of questions and then you have to cut and edit all this, either the, 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 the Hispanic outlets would go first and then the English or vice versa. Um, so Jair actually went to talk in, in Spanish first. So that whole thing I didn't record because, you know, uh, we were going to get an English one first. And there was actually some things that were said that, you know, weren't said in the English version. He actually came in very, very calm. And the first thing he said, he apologized for everything that, that happened. And uh, he addressed the media and, and thanked the media for being there and, and being there all week and covering him and apologized for, you know, for, for the performance and, f- and for what happened. Because he knew that obviously uh, the media was looking to, to, to get more out of that. Um but his demeanor was almost as if someone that knew that that they were responsible for that card, right? Obviously headlining it and in many ways carrying it, and uh, he he needed to to kind of put up a face and 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 you know it was almost very PR like like you know it was like like he was he felt responsible for the card, and I thought in a way that that was kind of nice, something that you know the the English viewers got robbed from, and I think maybe it would have changed a lot of people's minds. Um, if they would have seen that, I mean, you can see that from from the coverage of the Hispanic sites. Uh, yeah, but if you only yeah. watch the English ones, you 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 missed out. But he he was very collected at that point. I think it was only in the octagon where he when he was like super hot. Yeah, and the the UFC did a I don't want to say good job, but they were trying to hide as much as possible from like 
when when we were we saw stuff being thrown in when they had like Jeremy Stevens walking out, but yeah. they did a good job of cutting away. And then as the footage started to come out of the fans, and then you see yeah. Velasquez and Brian Ortega kind of like yelling to Octagon side. I'm not like I've been to soccer games or football games in Mexico. Like I've seen the Mexico Mexico Tre play the U.S. national team, and that obviously gets shockingly hostile like i went twice i went with a bunch of people from the united states so i walked in through the the entrance where the u.s fans have to and people throw like urine at you yeah throwing urine and coins and beer and everything but then i've also entered with like my me- my mexican family and it's obviously just a big celebration so uh i wasn't surprised that that's how it reacted because i've seen that firsthand with how mexican fans can be especially yeah. to american fighters especially to american athletes was super disappointing. Uh, but to answer more of this question, what is next for these two fighters? I think the only answer is the rematch because right now the rematch is a bigger deal than ever before. Yeah, I, I agree. And I didn't feel this way as soon as the fight was over. I didn't feel this way like a day removed. I, I felt this way as soon as we started, um, as soon as we started seeing, um, you know, the footage come out of the hotel, right, and all this, and then, you know, Jeremy Stevens weighing in, uh, Jair weighing in, because the whole the whole lead-up to the fight, Jair was like, okay, yeah, I'm fighting Jeremy Stevens, but he wanted somebody higher. He wasn't really, yeah. he wasn't okay with that opponent. So when that fight was over, it's like, okay, it's over. Like, I want somebody else, you know? Um, so he wasn't, he wasn't too stoked to fight Jeremy Stevens in the first place. So I kind of thought like, okay. And then, you know, the way some fans were reacting about Jeremy Stevens, uh, I guess, decision to not continue fighting, uh, which I think is kind of ridiculous. Uh, you know, I just kind of thought the whole thing was a bit of a dud. Um, but then after seeing what happened in the hotel and all that, I think this fight is even bigger. I think you have to book it, just not in Mexico. Yeah, they're not going back to Mexico anytime soon. Not nah, in Mexico. What did you think of Yair's comments, though, saying, like, Jeremy Stevens will have to live with this for the rest of his life? Like, I fought when my eye was closed against Frankie Edgar. Like, from my com- – like, I'm seeing a lot of hate on, y- on Yair's – his reaction yeah. to it. Like, him yelling yeah, at Michael Bisping, uh, him saying, like, like I said, like, him confronting Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens like, bro, you poked me in the eye. And he's like, you have to live with this the rest of your life. Like, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but I fought Frank Gehrig with one eye, this and that. What Were you disappointed yeah. in those in those comments? It's weird because right after the fight, like, you got to keep in mind, like, us in the media, we're sitting, um, you know, we're sitting in nice, comfortable chairs in a nice, comfortable environment. We're looking at different angles and replays. We got a ni- nice sound system. So we're kind of getting a, a good look of, of everything, right? Whereas Jaid... Right after the fight, when he reacted to all that uh, in, in the scrum, um, the only thing he'd seen was being in the octagon, right, looking up at the big screen. Yeah. But you also got a million distractions, the commission checking up on you. Even if it was a 15-second fight, the commission has to check to see if you're okay always. Uh, you know, your corner's talking to you. Uh, the whole crowd was going crazy, right? There's so many things. So I don't think he, he actually got to analyze exactly what happened, right? Um, also... He, he also has a different angle that we don't have and that we will never have. He saw what happened. He saw how far his fingers went into uh, Jeremy Stevens' eyes. You know, he, he saw – maybe he thought, you know, it wasn't that bad. I don't know. Again, that's – only, only uh, Jair knows that. Um, but I, what I will have to say is, you know, Jeremy Stevens has been fighting in the UFC for how long? He's like, what, third most fights ever in UFC history, something like Ridiculous. that? Ridiculous. He's never backed out of a fight. He, he – I mean, this guy enjoys violence. He's a dog. I mean, he, he is one of the very, very few fighters left uh, of that old school era that's just like down to fight anybody anywhere, literally, right? He spent $30,000, uh, you know, t- t- for that camp. He went out there in Mexico early. You know, prior to like the crowd turning on him, he, he always felt like he was a big part of the Mexican community. And it, w- it was such a big moment for him um, that like, no, I don't think he, he was faking it in any way. Also... It, it's not like any other fights where where the fight would have developed and then we would have seen him get his ass whooped and then you're like and then he gets poked and you're like all right well he wanted out it was 15 seconds you know what i'm saying right. like right like, there was no he wasn't getting beat you know what i'm saying so you can't even use that against him so um i i believe if jeremy stevens says he can't you know he wasn't able to continue i 100 believe him 
Um, and you were backstage, so, so you saw the te- like you saw the broadcast. Like they zoomed in on the eye, yeah. and like the doctor was couldn't even pry it open. Yeah, and like something you notice is like when they were doing it, like try to try to keep your eye closed without like um, without making any strength or like uh, you know forcing like your eye. You know what I'm saying? Like it's impossible. Like his all this was relaxed, and they couldn't even open it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I 100% believe him. But again, Jeremy um, Jaid was fired up. This was a big moment for him. He he's also in a weird spot in his career where he's like hasn't fought in a, in a super long time. Takes a short notice fight against TKZ. Does amazing. Now this is the moment to follow up. It's been ten months and yet this happens. You know what I'm saying? So I understand his frustrations as well. But um, I mean, I, I think Jeremy Stevens. There's no. I just don't see him lying. I just don't see him. I don't see it either. And the biggest one of the biggest bummers of this fight is like you said it yourself. Like you interviewed Yair and he said like. I wanted a Jeremy Stevens is a good opponent. I, he just wishes he had a higher number next to him. He knew the dangers yeah. of this fight, and he was taking it anyway. This felt like a kind of a placeholder fight for Yair. Like if he had beaten Jeremy Stevens, it's not like his stock would have risen tremendously unless he did it in spectacular fashion. But you don't see that against Jeremy Stevens often. Yeah. And there were so many questions with Yair. Like he, yes, he beat Korean Zombie. But he was one second away from losing. He was one yeah. second away. Like if Korean Zombie had had not just rushed in, that's an L for uh, Jair Rodriguez. Doesn't get that crazy knockout. Still a great fight, but doesn't get that insane knockout. That's one of the, that is arguably the greatest knockout in UFC history. Before yeah. that, he loses badly to Frankie Edgar. Gets his eye closed. Like one of the it gets in put forever. through a Gets put to whichever. And between that, he gets cut. He pulls out of the fight against a beat. And then before that, he beats BJ Penn in one of the saddest fights I've ever witnessed live. So there were so many questions about, like, yes, we all know Yair is a great fighter, but there are questions about how great he was and could he take this next step to really cement himself in the upper echelon. Jeremy Stevens was a good test, and we didn't even get that. So Yair Rodriguez is in the same place he yeah. was. There's still so many questions out there about this guy. Yep. And, and I'm even looking at Twitter right now. There's all, like, I'm curious, like, from... At I am the Mike, I'm curious about why Rodriguez thought it was a good idea to entice the fans even after they were already throwing things into the cage. I understand the passion, but that wasn't passion. That was idiotic. I don't know what like I didn't see that. Did you see Yair? Like I know he was trying to get up on the on the octagon side to like say something, but I don't think he was like making them yell at Jeremy no, Stevens. No. no, I don't think he was like telling them like you know throw more stuff. I don't think he was doing any of that. But no. he he did get. Like on the, he was hyping them up. You can say 100%. that because he did get on the on the cage and he, you know, he put his fist up and he's like yelling and and when you see that, right, you get even more hyped up as 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 a crowd member. And if you've had a, a few beers, you know, that 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 just goes up the roof. So I think he could have controlled that better. But at the same time, it's like you gotta you gotta look analyze like what state he's in. Like he was about to he. He all the time, although he was like not stoked to fight Jeremy Stevens, he knew that was a dangerous fight. He knew who Jeremy Stevens was, right? He was ready for he war. Knew, yeah, he knew he, he was going to get into a war, right? And that was a big moment for him, main event. You know, the, the, Jeremy Stevens was talking a lot of smack about him, and and, and props to Jaid. He wasn't um, he, throughout fight week. He never really, you know, bit back or said anything back negative about him. Whereas, you know. Uh, Jeremy Stevens was telling him he was going to kick him around like a chihuahua and all this. So I think what we saw there was a culmination of like, look, this guy has been talking smack about me all week. Now we're about to fight. And now he's, you know, he, he he's backing down. You know, he he's saying he's he's not going to fight. So, again, all those emotions that that were contained through fight week were just pouring out. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's a little bit of a release. He did not get through fight week. Right. Even in the face offs, like you get see Jeremy Stevens get real intense in his face. And Jair is just smiling and laughing. Um, so I think he wanted to like release all of that in the fight and he didn't get a chance to. So when he didn't, I mean, all those emotions have to go somewhere and we saw where they went. So I don't blame him for that because again, that, that's a, that's a different state of mind you're in. You know what I'm saying? So, um, again, I don't, I don't agree with it, but like, I understand it. Could not. Yeah. It's, it's just an unfortunate situation for all, especially because I think all week i I loved that group photo all the Mexican fighters took together. It really shows how far the Mexican yeah. MMA scene has grown. Even without, like, there was no Cain Velasquez on that car. There was no Henry Cejudo on that car. No Brian Ortega. Like, these are three Mexican-Americans. 
but these were like yeah, legitimate, yeah. very different. Me and Brian Ortega talked a lot about it, where he felt like he could really help the Mexican MMA scene grow if the Mexican audience embraced him as a Mexican rather than a Mexican American. But all that that photo of all the actual born and raised Mexican fighters just warmed my heart, and it is so yeah. disappointing. As as a Mexican, I was really happy to see all that, and it was just so disappointing to see not only how this ended, but now a lot of the talk is about how the fans reacted. A lot of people say, don't go back to Mexico. This is tainted the MMA scene down there. Like, It is truly disappointing for me. I'm sure it was disappointing for you to fly all the way down there, get sick, watch Yair and Jeremy Stevens fight for 15 seconds, but there were still a lot of exciting fights on that card we're gonna jump back to twitter from at digital tricycle when moreno versus uh askarov round three was deemed a 10-8 but grasso versus esparza wasn't in the very next fight and as such wasn't scored a draw which is how i had it is it time for mma to try harder for more consistent judging criteria yes danny we'll use this as an opportunity to speak about the co-main event between Alexa Grasso and carl esparza that fight ruled i thought uh the fight before that when he said moreno askarov I thought that fight was going to be the fight of the night until Alexa Grasso, Carlos Barza. I wish they had both gone fight of the night bonuses. Uh, but what did you make of the judging? How did you score the Carlos Barza fight? How did you score the Brandon Moreno fight? You were there. I'm sure you guys were all talked in the media. I was obviously sitting next to Case, so we had our own opinions. But yeah. what was the reaction backstage in the media room? So um, we, we're all working. So we're all watching the fights. That, that's why, like, Whenever you see me like post a, a score on my Twitter timeline, it's because I watched the entire fight. Right. If I don't watch the entire fight, if I miss the minute or 30 seconds of a round because I'm working, I'm not going to judge on it. Even even if like I hear the commentary and I kind of know how it's going, that I'm I'm just not going to going to give share my thoughts on that. So, um I'm kind of going to treat this the same way like I have, you know, because I've been so sick, I haven't gone back and watched the entire fight. But from the moments that I saw, for example, I thought that Brandon Moreno uh, had won. I thought that uh, Esparza had taken the first round, I believe. Um, and I don't remember how, how the other rounds uh, went, but I remember in the feeling in the media room, it was most likely a draw that Grasso had taken a 10-8 round and then Esparza had maybe taken two 10-9 uh, rounds. Uh, there was one clear round that Esparza won, but it was tight. And then the other two... Uh, one 100% um, Grosso dominated and the other one was kind of in the air. That was kind of like the feeling in, in, in the media room. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, and I think the judging is, you know, we, we've talked about this at length. Like there are issues with the way we judge fights in MMA, but also there are issues within the commission of MMA. Uh, and a lot of, you know, um, media outlets were talking about this, about the commission. Like there are, you know, certain things that, you know, happened at the weigh-ins as well. And there are some other things that the commission has to has to get right. But a lot of that is because there's not a whole lot of MMA in Mexico. So these commissions don't get to, you know, get reps in, you know, so they are going to get things wrong. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of combination of a flawed system plus a commission that's not 100 uh, percent, you know, trained. Yeah, and I, Casey was much more upset over the Alexa Grasso versus Carlos Barza fight. I had it a draw. He thought it was pretty clear for Alexa Grasso. I didn't think it was a terrible decision. I thought it was that close. He seemed a little more upset than me. But uh, this seems like one of those fights. I think she said it herself uh, and when the scrum that you posted uh, in her English-speaking one, where it's like she lost, but she, she feels like a winner. Like, she didn't lose anything in this loss. Like, she yeah. came out better, even though she... An L is an L. I get it. It hurts. She doesn't get her win bonus and all that stuff. But uh, she she came out better in the eyes of the fans, I think. I think there are still a lot of... Like, she beat Karolina Kovacavich. Then she just arguably just beat another... Uh, a, ch a former champion, Carlos Barza. I think she's mm -hmm. one of the bigger stars. Uh, but before we wrap up a little bit more, I want to ask you, because you were there... Any other, even in the lead up to the fight, like you interact, you were at media day, you interviewed everyone, you saw the fights. Were there any other performances, whether at media day, uh, at the fights, even backstage scrums, were there any other names that kind of elevated themselves coming out of fight week in your eyes? I mean, Steven Peterson scored a beautiful yeah. knockout. Um, and, you know, he had a very compelling scrum. I, I encourage you to check that out if you haven't. Um, I, I don't know. He wants a, a ranked opponent next. I don't know if he's going to get one. But after that performance, uh, you know, I think he's definitely on my radar because I know what he can do. 
Yeah. Maybe it's not what he's going to do every fight, but he's definitely capable of doing that. Um, and just in the environment that he did it in, right? It's just tough. So I, he came out a big winner. Also, um, El Teco Quiñones, I, I interviewed him prior to the fight uh, and, you know, in Spanish and, and uploaded the interview on our YouTube channel with subtitles. It's hard to describe how big of a star he is, um, but in Mexico, he, he is he is a big deal. Um, he's and Rodrigo from Indiscutio said this, you know, the Mexican, the Mexicans there connect with him better than any other fighter he's really? doing. Yeah, he's doing, uh, for example, he's starting like uh, social programs to help kids uh, with this thing he, he calls La Malija and, and uh, he's trying to develop that as well. Um, you know, he, he, he does, he's trying to do a lot of good things for Mexico and for the youth. And, uh, he's a tough guy, you know, he puts on exciting fights. Um, you know, he's got, you know, his whole look with the mustache and everything. He just looks very cool. It sucks that he doesn't speak any English. So that doesn't cross over to the U S fan base, but in Mexico, like out of all the fighters, he, he's well known and, and he's a big deal. And, um, you know, he was on a, I think on a four, five or four, three, five win streak. Um, and then he went to London and fought Nathaniel Wood. We know how good Nathaniel Wood is. Took a loss there, but now, you know, he came back and, and got a solid win over Carlos Huachin, a, pr- a pretty dominant one. I think if this guy, you know, uh, you know, keeps getting some wins and hopefully learns some English, I think, he, you know, he could be he could be a, a guy that, you know, um, is a big deal for Mexico. He's a big player uh, there. Aldana blew me away, too. I watched that that the replays of that question mark kick she landed on, uh, what was her name, Vanessa right. Mello. Yeah. Over and mm-hmm. over and over. That was if she had gotten that knockout, I think she would have been the biggest star because that was a flawless performance against an opponent. Yeah. Short notice opponent came in overweight uh, because of the she missed weight, but I think she completely blew me away. I don't know what's next for her. Uh, she wants like a ranked opponent. I think Kudin Sky. Yeah. Sky, I think is the only other one that I think. When, I think they're like seven, eight right there. I think everyone in the top five is either booked, just yeah. fought, or ha- or is injured or whatever. Uh, I think Kunsky is a good matchup for her. I think they're like ranked like really like one's above the other. I think they're right there. I think it's a good matchup. Yeah. But she completely blew me away. Um, but yeah, all around and, and also she's so exciting. Like every single fight she's been in in the UFC is exciting. Like that that you know that that that's a good fighter to have in your division. Somebody that you can yeah. rely on for exciting fights. Yeah, and she's speaks perfect Spanish. Spoke English. It was good English. Good English, like not the not the best English, but good enough. I think she kind of has that charm of like when Habib speaks English, it kind of the fact that he can't For speak sure. perfect English kind of makes him um, intriguing and like you want to learn more about this guy. But we're running up on time, so as usual, Danny, the floor is yours for any promo. I know you talked a lot about you in Mexico. Uh, you're back in the states. We got a lot of fight cards coming up this week, so we haven't talked anything about UFC Copenhagen. Whatever you want to talk about, though, the floor is yours. This is, this is not really much of a promo, but more of a um, PSA. So I got a lot of hate. So we posted a scrum on MAFighting.com on our YouTube channel of Jorge Masvidal, who answered some questions in English and then refused to keep answering any more and did the entire scrum uh, basically in Spanish. I love And that. the responses that I got were ridiculous, where like – what are you talking about? This is the UFC, you know, American company here. You speak English, uh, you know, all this a bunch of nonsense. Right. Um, I don't know me growing up all the time that, you know, I heard either people telling my parents or my brother, myself or my friends, uh, you're in America, speak English. And although that's kind of harsh, uh, you know, okay, you were in America, but guess what? Jorge Masvidal is in Mexico. The only two American media, out, there was only two American media outlets there. There was like 10 of them that were Hispanic. So there is absolutely nothing wrong with Jorge Masvidal deciding to speak Spanish at a scrum, especially when he's in a country that speaks Spanish with the majority of media outlets that are there covering it, that only speak Spanish and that are covering it in Spanish. So if you, you know, we did, we put subtitles on it. So you guys can definitely get everything that, that he's saying. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you're missing out. So don't complain about that. It's like, it's like telling telling uh, Zhang Weili not to speak, you know, Mandarin, or you know what I'm saying. Like, it, it's it's like the most ridiculous thing in the world. So um, not really of a of a promo, but I I, I kind of just wanted to say like, yo, like, chill out. Like Jorge Masvidal is completely in his right to speak Spanish if he wants to. 
Yeah, and everything Especially he said, and everything he said was pretty much what he had been saying already. Like when you interviewed him in English at ATT before the Nate Diaz fight, and then him getting interviewed at UC two forty one, him at the media at the press conference and all that stuff. So, yeah. Couldn't have said it any better than myself. I wish you had gone last because that's way better way of what I'm going to end on. I'm going to end on real quickly. Before Israel Adesanya fought, uh, Kelvin Gaslam, I did this thing on Twitter where I broke down his favorite anime fight, and you guys all loved it. You guys were asking me to do it again, so you tell me which fight I should do this time. Uh, you can just tweet at me, at Jose Youngs, or you can just make Danny make tell me to do it, at Danny Segura TV, correct? You're over here. Mm-hmm. So you tell me, because a lot of you guys are asking me to do it again now that Israel Asanya's fight, but you tell me which one you want to do, and I'll get on that, and we can talk about it next A-side. But, Danny, anything else you want to say before we go? We sign off for this week? All right. <clears throat> do not eat seafood in Mexico, all right? Do not eat seafood in Mexico. I could have told Danny that before we went there. Don't drink the water either. But I learned the hard way. For until then, Pizza Carroll is on the scene at UFC Dublin Media Day. He's going to be there for UFC Dublin, Bellator Dublin. Uh, yeah. He's, he's going to be there for Bellator Dublin uh, with James Gallagher. Benson Henderson fights Miles Jury on that card, too. We didn't even talk about that. Uh, we won't have anybody at UFC Copenhagen, but Casey Lydon is, and Esther Lynn are going to be on the scene for the, I believe it's Bellator 228, I believe, or 226, which is uh, the Patricio, yeah. Patricio Pitbull versus Juan Archuleta. We got Machida. Uh, and Gegard Musasi. We got a whole bunch of other featherweight. I believe AJ McKee's on that card. Uh, Casey will also be there for open workouts today. So you're on the U- MMA Fighting's YouTube channel right now. Just stay there because we're going to have all kinds of videos. We're going to sign off and we're going to give you more Bellator Dublin car- fight cards. Bellator Dublin fight videos coming up. So just stay on this page. I'm Jose. That's Danny. Until then, see you guys.